Welcome, welcome, welcome to After the Bell. I am still Corey Graves. Happy holidays, everybody. Happy Festivus, Kevin Patrick. It's the most wonderful time of the year. As you can see, I am feeling festive AF, as the kids say, and I'm looking forward to challenging you to some feats of strength and perhaps an airing of grievances today. Let's do it, buddy. Christmas is upon us. Look at you looking all festive with that swanky shirt and your hat. Listen, What's the hat say? It says Bah Humbug on it, but it is a Santa-style hat. This is an audio podcast primarily. But listen, don't ever let anyone talk you into believing that Corey Graves is a miserable cur 365 days a year. Because from about December 15th through the 26th, my favorite time of year. I'm a holiday guy and basically Clark Griswold. I'm telling you, man, you are an armadillo. Crunchy on the outside, soft on the inside. Corey Graves, folks, don't believe the act. Here, listen, I'm going to join you, by the way. I've got a little Santa hat here. Finally, I was getting worried. I thought maybe, you know, the the Irish looked down upon the, wow. Wow, I understand. I apologize to everybody who is just listening, but track down on social media. Follow me at WWE Graves. Find him at Kev (laughs) underscore Egan. You need to get eyes on what is betrothed upon the head of Kevin Patrick right now. I'm not sure Seth Rollins would wear this. I think not only would Seth Rollins wear that, Seth Rollins would wear it and pull it off. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. They stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. You're in the holiday spirit, KP. We're at the end of the year. It's insane to me. The holiday is right around the corner tomorrow, if you're listening to this the day that it drops. Uh, It will be Christmas Eve, Christmas this Sunday, and of course, Monday night, We're going to see the absolute best of Monday Night Raw, the year that has been 2022. So I figure amidst all the chaos that you and I experienced and lived through and survived Monday night, courtesy of the bloodline and the madness that was, we'll chat about that for a while. I think it's only fitting, only fair that you and I, Kevin Patrick, take a little journey down memory lane and and bring up some of our favorite moments and matches of the year that was. But we'll get there in a second. First things first, the tribal chief was watching Monday night. And boy, the bloodline did the work. Yeah, I'm going to torment you. We're going to torment you. We're going to show you what resources we have. Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman kicked off Monday Night Raw with quite a statement. And throughout the entire show. With a warning, yeah. And it was. It was this kind of creepy, eerie, edgy feeling throughout the entire arena in Des Moines, Iowa. Because they were creeping up and blindsiding everybody. And from our perspective, Kevin, it was it was truly a wild one because what the bloodline were doing backstage affected how things played out 
in matches and segments that didn't even involve them. You and I, you got to experience one of those nights that we on the commentary desk, we used to talk about being Wild West nights where things are changing and all because Roman was looking to flex the power that he has. Oh, we're supposed to go to a commercial break. No, no, we're not doing a commercial break now. Nope. Hey, that, that promotional read you have, that's dead for now. We're going to do that later because Solo Sokoa just laid somebody else out. True chaos from the top down, from the head of the table, and it affected every single person in that arena Monday night. And you know, look, I'm I'm what week week eleven in the role alongside you, and I'm learning. I'm learning Just so much. Just a baby, much. KP. I'm a little baby with teething problems, you know. And each and every <laughs> week, I'm I'm trying to figure this behemoth out. And and when you get thrown that curveball, saying, "Hey, we got to go backstage now. There's something kicking off." It's like, whoa, we're on fire right now, Graves, and we're flying by the seat of our pants. We're on a roller coaster. We're not strapped in, but we had fun on Monday. And, and the biggest takeaway for me, at least. After Monday, we, we saw the Usos appear slowly. And I, I nearly call them hyenas here. I, they kind of reminded me here of Roman Reigns being Scar from The Lion King. Yes. And, and the hyenas just yes. hunting in packs and laughing. And the way they crept up on Austin Theory and Seth Rollins toward the end of Monday Night Raw, Theory does a legger. He didn't want to have anything to do with it. Rollins thinks he can take on both of them. Kevin Owens comes to his aid. But when it's all said and done, and KO and Rollins pick up a victory over the longest reigning tag team champions in WWE history, Sami Zayn gets in the ring and he had his shot. He had a split second where KO wasn't looking. And the honorary use hesitated, Corey. He didn't take his shot. And there was hesitation and a little bit of trepidation in the eyes of Sami Zayn. And with Roman Reigns watching, it perfectly sets up tonight. I cannot wait to see what the Tribal Chief has to say about what played out at the very end of Monday Night Raw. What do you think? So let me ask you this. Do you think that Sami Zayn risked falling out of the good graces of the tribal chief by not taking his shot? Or was this a case of Sami being the ultimate soldier, only doing what he was told to do? The bloodline were told to wreak havoc, to wreck shop, and to destroy Kevin Owens' house. Is this mob mentality? Is this, I'm not going to take you out. I'm going to pick off everybody you love first and make you wait and make you suffer and know that it's coming for you next. Is that a mind game from Roman Reigns? Or is this just... Or is is what you're saying true? Kevin Owens said on this show a few weeks back, he's done with Sami Zayn. That that issue, their their friendship from the past that has been, you, you don't believe it. You're not no, buying I don't, it? I don't believe it for a second. I'm not buying it for a second. I think that's lip service. Do you honestly think Kevin Owens is done with Sami Zayn? The, the best friend pretty much his entire life is siding with the tribal chief, the honorary use, and he's, and he's orchestrating and helping attack friends of KO's on the Monday Night Raw roster, and you're gonna we're gonna pretend that Sami Zayn and KO are done. No, I'm not buying it for a second. Well, listen, speaking as as someone who has experienced similar fates in the past with friends, you you, you have a few weeks, a few months where maybe you try, and then if you're a reasonable human being, you just let it be. You just move on. You move on to to focus the task at hand, which right now for Kevin Owens is Roman Reigns. But I, much like you, am very excited to see how all of this plays out tonight, Friday Night SmackDown on Fox, a holiday extravaganza, if you will. But KP, now I, I know we're living in the moment. There's a lot of stuff happening. Royal Rumble's right around the corner, but let's reverse course a little bit. It has been a wild year in WWE. So many changes in front of the fans, behind the scenes. It has truly been a, a landmark year in this business uh, because Listen, WWE, we, we steer the ship. We are the ship. We Whatever we do affects the trickle-down. You're sounding like Logan Paul now. I am the table. <laughs> no, 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 we are the ship. Seth Rollins, you saw... We were, here, let's, let's 
pull back the curtain a little bit. Monday night after Raw, you and I were sitting in the hotel lobby having a few post-show cocktails, talking business. And how excited did I get when I was reminiscing about Seth freaking Rollins and his promo with with Austin Theory when Seth looked him dead in the eyes and screamed, I am the mountain. I am Everest. Two hours later, I got up from the table because I was explaining to everybody how much passion I saw coming through the eyes of Rollins. That was such a cool moment. That was a a very much, no, this isn't Seth Rollins, the visionary, the character. This is Seth Rollins, the man who was tired and, and in that moment had heard about enough and just let reality fly. And man, I was hooked on every word. I cannot wait till those two collide. January 2nd, first Raw of the new year. You've got the United States title on the line. We're going to have the Women's Championship on the line. Bianca defends against Alexa Bliss. All of this information, KP, this is a common theme. There's so much happening all the time. Thankfully, our crack team of researchers and our producers here at ATB have compiled a list of for you and I to draw from. We can't get to all of them because let's be honest, there are about 75 matches and moments on this list. So I think it might be a little fun if we reminisced and picked a few of our favorites, handed out a few awards that mean nothing and have absolutely no weight on anything. This is nothing more than Kevin and Corey chat about what we remember and makes us smile in 2022. Can I just say the first award for me has to go to the WWE Universe, the fans all around the world that that made 2022 so special. 2021, we were easing back into it. You remember WrestleMania in Tampa, like a 25% capacity, I think it was, or 20, maybe, maybe it was 20, 25,000 people. Cool atmosphere, wonderful. It was exciting at the time because it, crowds were foreign to us at that point after sure. everything that had played out in 2020 and 2021. This year, to have a packed house in Dallas, Texas, two nights for WrestleMania, SummerSlam, Nashville, Tennessee, this year as a whole, Corey, did, did it spark something? Did it ignite something in you again, seeing that they, these arenas and these stadia all around the country and the world in Wales and in Saudi Arabia packed full of fans again? It was definitely a strong and I would dare say much needed reminder not only to myself, but to all of the guys and girls on the roster. We talk about it a lot. Every guest we have on here, including Roxanne Perez, the brand new NXT Women's Champion who will be joining us shortly, talk about the grind of being a WWE superstar. It is constant sleepless nights and airplanes and miles and miles on the road to go get your butt kicked in front of an arena full of people. Lather, rinse, repeat, okay? It's a grind. It is a tough lifestyle, but coming from the era that we will forever look back upon as the Thunderdome era and the pandemic and not having the most important aspect of our shows, having it back, not only trickling in like we did at WrestleMania in Tampa, but at full capacity, in full effect, in Saudi Arabia, in Wales, in every city we've been hitting lately, the crowds are up, they're loud, they're rabid. It's just a much, it's been a much needed reminder to everybody. Hey, this is why we do this. This is why we love this. Yes, you and I are going to get off the air and complain because, oh, hey, this graphic package didn't air. You know, everyday work stuff. The president, for God's sake, goes, oh, that was a dumb thing I had to do today. Everybody's got stuff that complains. That's human nature. You complain. But it's to be able to step back and look at the big picture and realize that what we are a part of. And when I say we, I mean all of us. I mean you, me, the people listening to this podcast right now. Because without all of us, it doesn't work. That's why the signature at the top of every show, then, now, forever, together, was of the utmost importance. Because without every singing, single screaming fan in the in the audience, every seat, a butt, every 18 inches apart, 
without it, it doesn't quite feel the same. Doesn't say doesn't mean it doesn't work, but it's not the same. And I'm sure you remember well when the together was added to the signature. It was added the day before, or the, excuse me, hours before um, day one at WrestleMania in 2021 when the fans were coming back for a first time. And that really felt very important to everybody in the room at the time that the together was added given the significance of the day. And I'm glad you brought this point up and the fact that the WWE Universe is the missing ingredient because all of the moments and matches that we're going to talk about in the next few minutes, to me, without the fans, aren't nearly as special and may not be on this list. They may not be memorable because speaking from my personal perspective, where I sit, where you now sit, or where I sit with Michael Cole at the premium live events, being there a lot of these moments I'm going to remember because of how I felt. Not necessarily because of the move, not because of this spectacular jump off of a cage or through a table. or a, It's not that. It's what gets me and gets every superstar in WWE, what makes us happy, why we do what we do, is hearing the fans on the roller coaster, taking that ride with them. That's what makes all of these special. And to me the most memorable and my favorite moments of the year that have been 2022. All right. Well, let's start off by, you know, me asking you then in terms of fun at the commentary desk, when you're ringside, what match comes to mind from 2022 when I say fun and pure enjoyment for Corey Graves? Oh man. It's, it's interesting because there haven't been a ton of moments that I off the top of my head. And again, we have a list in front of us, but that particular question, I, I can't answer from the commentary desk, but there are several moments that I look back at and laugh. And I think of when I felt joy, if this will answer your question in a, in a similar way. And it's one that we, I just recently gushed about. And I went on and on last week about this match because it truly brought me so much joy. I was a fan again, and I wasn't in the arena. I was on the couch. I was still listening to the NXT universe, but pretty deadly and the new day for the NXT Tag Team Championships at NXT Deadline, I feel like is a sleeper for one of the greatest tag team matches of the year, which says something because you're talking about the new day. That's no surprise. But anybody not talking about the Usos almost seems like blasphemy. And that's not to say that the Usos haven't had countless, countless barn burners week after every time the Usos, Monday night, they did it again with Rollins and Owens. That's what the Usos do. But just for me, in a, in a manner that I was able to sit back, relax, not think too much. Just watch TV and be entertained by clearly defined characters who worked their butts off and delivered a great, memorable match, pretty deadly in the New Day, NXT deadline. Great answer. For me, fun though, I'm going straight back to WrestleMania. You know where I'm going here. Sami oh, I know. Zayn. Johnny Knoxville, yes. the, the pop, the noise, you know, uh, was, was it when Wee Man, didn't he body slam Sami Zayn at one point and, and the arena, the, the, the stadium went absolutely nuts. We, we talk about that match very frequently, yeah. all these months later still. We had Sami Zayn on the show a few weeks ago and we were still talking about it and it's still one of Sami's favorite memories of the year. Again, this is a guy who's now arguably the hottest superstar in the business as the honorary ooze. People love Sami Zayn and Sami Zayn still looks back and go, yeah, but that thing I did with Johnny Knoxville was a lot of fun. It was really cool. And, and much like I said, I mean, I was in the stadium. I wasn't on commentary. I loved that because I was able to watch the fans. I was able to listen and take the journey with them without any sort of information in my headset. I was about 30 yards from the ring in, in our little tent setup watching. 
And I actually came out. And I remember standing next to Vic Joseph as we were watching this. And when we man body slammed Sammy, I still maintain <laughs> that may have been the single loudest moment of the entire weekend. A weekend that saw Stone Cold return to the ring and then return the next night to stun McAfee, to stun Mr. McMahon. That's legendary stuff that will live on forever. But the loudest moment. I would have loved to have one of those decibel readers because I truly believe if there is a way to measure that, that moment was maybe the loudest moment in WWE all year long. Am I right in saying that that match shouldn't have been a success? Like so much credit has to go to Shane Helms, Hurricane Helms, who was, you know, in many ways, the conductor of that orchestra. Like he he was really helping Johnny Knoxville out an awful lot uh, behind the scenes with his, with his moves and, and just getting comfortable in the ring. Sami Zayn is, is a superstar as we all know. And as you mentioned, maybe the superstar of 2022, but that match really shouldn't have been the biggest hit. And it was that match was right up there alongside KO and Stone Cold. It was right up there alongside, you know, whether it's Pat McAfee and Austin Theory or Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. It was just, it was so unbelievably successful. And, and from the outside looking in, you're looking going, how is this going to work? But it did that and some, right? On paper, it would have been the first one I cut. Really? I would have said, hey, we're not really going to do that. On paper, on paper. It doesn't, it, it doesn't, uh, again, I'm a jackass fan, grew up a fan, uh, Sami Zayn I'm a fan of. It shouldn't have worked, to your point, but man, did it ever. It was a series of just fantastic, hilarious moments, and it, and people are still buzzing about it. And I honestly hope it wasn't the last time the Jackass crew is around WWE in the, in the future because, man, those guys really brought a really cool element. Hats off to all those guys for doing that. You know, when I think about WrestleMania over the course of the two days, and we talk about best matches, I'll give you my best match from WrestleMania. And it wasn't exactly the, uh, the, the fireworks, the showpiece, the entertainment, the fun that we saw from so many others, the pop of the, you know, the glass breaks and out comes Stone Cold in the most sensational of ways. But for me, it was Becky Bianca. It was a, it was a long build towards this uh, yes. in, terms of, in terms of Bianca. What was it? 26 seconds at SummerSlam. Becky's words were, get to the back of the line. What did Bianca Belair do? She got to the back of the line and she worked her ass off to get to the front of the line yet again. And it just so happened to be at WrestleMania. And though those two, I mean, that was one serious, serious match that was end to end. We had no idea who was going to take it in the end. Ultimately, the EST is standing tall. Becky Lynch on the deck, on the canvas. And Bianca Belair to this day is still Raw Women's Champion. That, that for me is one of the matches of the year and probably my, my match from WrestleMania. Well, it's because you're a homer for Becky Lynch. Let's be yeah, honest here, yeah, KP. Yeah, yeah. We get it. You guys all live in the same neighborhood. You guys all hang five out. minutes away from each other. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but I agree with you. Absolutely incredible night for Bianca Belair. And to me, what that did, more so than even the year prior, where Bianca Belair won the SmackDown Women's Championship at WrestleMania, to me, this solidified Belair as the EST, as the measuring stick for the women's division. Because last year, I'm sorry, I should say the first time it happened, it was a feel-good moment. It was the logical conclusion to the story. Of course, the new young gun is going to take out the, the old guard. But this one was that enhanced. It was even deeper. And, and credit to big-time Bex at the time because Becky became the, the worst version of herself, which in turn allowed Bianca to really realize the, the dream of a, of a second WrestleMania Women's Championship, we talk so much about the importance of the perception of the fans in making a superstar. 
Now this is two years in a row. The EST has called her shot and delivered. And now all these months later, people go, oh yeah, it's Bianca. Now, now she's in the same breath with Becky Lynch, with Bailey, with, with these top tier women where maybe she wasn't a year prior. So I completely agree with you uh, about Bianca Belair and Becky Lynch at WrestleMania. I'm going to pivot because we're going to be all over the place. I, I was actually going to go here before you took us back to WrestleMania. You, you used the word uh, conductor, which made me think symphony, which made me think last symphony, which makes me think of the baddest son of a gun on Friday night, SmackDown, the intercontinental champion Gunther and a match that everyone is still talking about now, Gunther and Sheamus, which may have been all of these years into his WWE tenure, Sheamus's greatest match. And I'm pretty sure he said as much. Even in defeat, Sheamus is so proud of that match and the raw emotion in the stadium in Cardiff for the entire match. And those two brutalized each other. I am talking maybe the hardest hitting in-ring action I've seen since like 1996 New Japan, all Japan, like these guys that are legends for how they just beat the piss out of each other for the entire, this was that level of brutality to me. Like, and I'm sure somebody's going to get offended. I quoted the wrong year, but I'm talking that era where you had guys Kawada that just kicked the hell out of each other. That was a, a throwback at clash at the castle to me. And it kicked off a resurgence in the career of the Celtic warrior. Here we are. The guy's already got a Hall of Fame resume, but for some reason, in Cardiff, Wales, we were like, oh yeah, we forgot Seamus is awesome. And Seamus went, oh yeah, I've been telling you all I'm awesome. Well, let me be awesome some more. So th- I love where this is at. What was it like in the arena? Was it, was it like 99% for Seamus? Because obviously the scenes afterwards, even in defeat, were unbelievable. As Seamus rose up high, put the arms in the air, and the chance of Seamus ringing out around Cardiff. What was it like ringside? I think it started very, very pro Seamus. And despite Gunther being the villain in the scenario, as the match progressed, just the brutality from both men left the fans feeling something that we realized we were watching something special and everyone was just so captivated by it. It wasn't necessarily yay, boo, up, down. It wasn't the roller coaster. It was like we were watching something we weren't supposed to be seeing. Like uh, these two guys might actually physically harm one another to, to a permanent extent. Like these guys were trying to destroy one another in every sense of the, and that was the vibe that we all got. And it wasn't until after that everyone needed to take that deep breath and go, holy cow, what did we just watch? And while that was happening, Seamus was slowly recovering, slowly making his way up. And that's when the fans realized, oh my God, this guy just went through hell. We just watched a guy put himself through hell, put his opponent through hell. We all survived. Man, that was awesome. And that was the moment that the this is awesome chant was appropriate. After the match, it wasn't, oh, hey, we we appreciate the moves. It was, oh my God, someone might not leave this ring. Okay, everybody's all right. Hey, hey you're checking on, the, on your neighbor next to you. I think pretty sure I checked on Michael Cole to make sure he was still breathing because we were all <laughs> so tense. And man, it, those two guys created a, a memorable night and a classic Intercontinental Championship match that should be added to every list of best of, best Intercontinental Championship matches of all time. Best Sheamus matches, best Gunther matches, best matches in Europe, best matches, uh, best match to watch with a friend. I don't know. 
that sort of stuff will live on forever. It was magic in Cardiff. Absolutely brilliantly said. And, and you know what? Shame on me because when I'm going through my, my best matches, my top matches, I didn't even have that match written down. And, and when you think about it and you describe it to me, maybe it's because I wasn't in Cardiff and I'm watching from home and, I, but, and you were there, but it was still unbelievable. I was about to do an Irish curse there, you know, on the show. <laughs> it was unbelievable. But when I think back to, to maybe, I just want to touch on tag teams for a second. And, you know, we, we're, we are, we're going back and forth here a little bit in our favorite matches. There were so many unbelievable tag team matches. You've already touched on Pretty Deadly against the New Day. The New Day against the Usos was unreal. For me, though, the number one all year, and I know a lot of folks will agree with me on this, Money in the Bank, Street Profits, Usos. We saw some of the best matches between the Street Profits and the Usos when the yes. Street Profits really did raise their game. Montez Ford is a physical specimen. That man is hitting the gym. Angelo Dawkins, I said it on Raw, six foot five. 275 pounds, yet he's moving, you know, at rapid pace. Constantly getting better. Yeah. And, and the matches they put on, and they were absolutely robbed at Money in the Bank. Folks were furious, and rightly so. You know, Montez Ford had his shoulder up. The referee didn't see it. And that feud continued. Um, I want to see the Street Profits get back to the top again. I want to see more Street Profits and Usos, because that really did whet, whet the appetite for more. And that's probably my favorite tag team. Oh, you'll get get no argument from me. I mean, while, while we're while we're pivoting and, and jockeying back and forth, uh, I want to take it back to Cardiff because we'd be remiss not to mention Drew McIntyre, Roman Reigns, for a very different reason. Yes, they were brutal. Yes, it was physical, but it was the culmination of this story, this journey for the Scottish Warrior for Drew Drew McIntyre to finally get home, being in Europe for the first time for a premium live event in thirty years. I mean, it was a perfect storm. The table was set perfectly. And I don't think it gets the love that it should because the ending was sort of muddied by the arrival of Solo Sokoa. And I'm not disparaging Solo. I'm just saying a lot of people were expecting that moment. Drew to have that moment. He is the guy again in front of his people. And it would have been so perfect. Of course, Roman Reigns flexes his dominance yet again. Bloodline grows stronger. Very important beat and development within the story. But this just goes to show you how stacked the year was in 2022. We're talking about 60,000 people in a stadium in Wales hanging on every movement, every two count, every kick out from Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre. It was beautiful. And aside from it not producing the desired result for many, I think that's why it's easy to, to not show it the love that it deserves. Well, well, the conversation then kicks off to like, was that the best Roman match of 2022? And, I don't and know. for me, <laughs> I don't, I don't know if it is because I'll throw two others out there for sheer entertainment uh, toward the end. And you must have been scared for your life, Roman and Brock Lesnar. And then let's go to Saudi Arabia again and to Crown Jewel because for me, Roman Reigns, Logan Paul, wow, that was unreal. I want you to say it. I want you to say it, and I'm not necessarily going to argue with you, but I want you to say it out loud, KP. For you, Roman Reigns' best match this year was with Logan Paul. Yeah, I'm going to go there. I'm going to go there. But Logan Paul went, went to a place I didn't think he was capable of going to. Uh, we all know what Brock Lesnar's capable of, even thinking about what he did at SummerSlam, which was nearly taking the life of Michael Cole and Corey Graves at ringside. And poor Roman Reigns. When I, when I saw, you know, Dexter Loomis being buried in chairs and ladders on Monday Night Raw this week, I was thinking back to Brock Lesnar and how he was just buried by the Usos in every single bit of debris they could find. And that was some spectacle. And Logan Paul, I mean, we are, we're really going back and forth here, Graves, but we, we should because there's so many epic matches to cover. Roman seems to be front and center in a lot of them. As well, he should be as the face of the company, as the guy, the driving force behind 
all things WWE right now. Roman Reigns deserves his face on everything. And Logan Paul, man, we talked about it on this show. He blew a lot of people's expectations clean out of the water. I'm excited for when Logan Paul healed back up, and I'm sure he's gonna got a few more heavy-hitting contributions to the WWE universe in the very near future. And uh, we're getting notices that Roxanne Perez is getting lined up. She's getting connected to join this here podcast. So let's get right to it, KP. We've been dancing around it. I don't think this is going to come to a surprise to anyone listening, particularly anybody who listens to After the Bell on any sort of regular basis. And you and I unanimously agreed. The match of 2022. Cody Rhodes... Seth freaking Rollins inside Hell in a Cell. Boom. Am I wrong? You're right. You're I know I'm right. right. I know I'm right. And anyone arguing with me, you guys don't know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> Let's be perfectly honest. This was as close to perfect as anything gets. I'm going to back up even a little bit further because while we're talking great moments and memories, I like things that make me feel good. I like things that make me laugh, make me happy. A moment that made every hair on my neck and arm stand up was back at WrestleMania, the shocking return of Cody Rhodes. One of the greatest moments of the year led into another great match. So maybe let's 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 be uh, all encompassing here. Hell in a Cell to me was the greatest match. But the trilogy, the rivalry, the promos back and forth, the vitriol between Rollins and Rhodes, the backstory, everything about it to me was a perfect sports entertainment story in the year 2022. From the moment Cody appeared at the top of the Cody Vader on the ramp of WrestleMania, a sight that nobody expe- expected to ever see in that it was a work. It was a terribly kept secret at the time, but in the grand scheme, no one ever thought Cody was coming back to WWE. He does tears it up with Rollins. They do it again at WrestleMania backlash, which somehow is as good, if not better than the first encounter. And then here comes the masterpiece. Cody Rhodes with a torn peck, one of the, the you would talk about moments and reactions being at ringside, Kevin. I will never, as long as I live, forget the collective gasp of the WWE fans in Chicago when Cody took his ring jacket off and everybody got eyes on that disgusting purple and black and blue wound that he was insane enough to fight through. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was 
a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there, just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier, thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Corey, you had one of the best lines I've ever heard in any commentary, in any sport. When you said at the end, and Cody Rhodes somehow manages to win that match against Seth freaking Rollins and Corey Graves says a fallen angel with a broken wing. Can you tell us a little bit about your mindset in that moment? Did you have that prepared? Did it simply come no. to mind at the time? That was completely off the top of my head. And and you've gotten to work with me now. I have this weird, I, I, I tend to think when I have a few moments to think, I think as though I'm like some sort of songwriter. I want to write great lyrics, right? And Cody himself Gave, gave me credit after the fact. And he said, you know, we write the songs, you write the lyrics. And I, I am very proud of that call, but that came down. That was a perfect storm for me. Cody Rhodes has been a friend of mine for many years. His father is someone who has made an uh, indelible impact on my life. I will never forget the American dream, their entire family. I know Cody's mother. I know Cody's sister. I, I genuinely have love for that entire family. Seth is a guy who I've been friends with since we were back on the independence together. We have come up through the system. You know, we, we were neck and neck in FCW and then our career paths changed. So I have that emotional attachment to Seth the man. So not only am I a fan of these guys, but I'm watching and I'm buying in. I am as aghast as anybody watching at what Cody's putting himself through right now. I am convinced he's out of his mind. He's never going to compete again. This is dumb. Why are we doing this just for a pay-per-view? This isn't safe. I was hanging on every movement and the two told a beautiful story. And that line to me came off the top of my head when I saw after the match, when Cody looked up to the sky, because I knew I wanted to reference Dusty just selfishly because I wanted that. I wanted when Cody watched that back to think, Oh, that was nice of you. You know, I, and that was it. That was my, my, it was just a nod, just a nod to the American dream. The guy who we all have so much respect for and, and his footprint is felt every day, whether we realize it or not. But when he looked up and I just thought, man, hell in a cell. He's looking to the heavens, heaven, hell, broken. Wait, oh, I, I don't know where it came from. And I, I guarantee you, if anything else had changed, I probably would have said something different. If it had been 30 seconds earlier or it was just, it came to me in the moment. It was beautiful. And, that, and it's weird that I'm using the term beautiful to describe a brutal hell in a cell match. But to me, the story was beautiful. That to me is what sports entertainment at the highest level can be. It's emotion. It's feeling. It's taking the ride. It's suffering with your superstar who is down. It's celebrating with your superstar who is celebrating. That's what sports entertainment can and should be at the very highest level. And my match of the year for 2022, uh, which wins them absolutely nothing. But, you know, that's where I'm at. I'm right there with you. You've been inside the ring. You've been a champion in WWE too. Tell us a little bit about the role of Seth Rollins in all of this, because you've just mentioned an awful lot about Cody Rhodes. Seth didn't know who he was going to go up against at WrestleMania. Seth Rollins wasn't part of WrestleMania, remember, and he had to canvas Mr. McMahon. There's those brilliant images of Seth jumping up on the desk in, in Connecticut and, and, and wanting to be part of something special. 
And man, did Seth Rollins deliver in all of this as well. And, and this goes back to the point that we made on Monday Night Raw before Seth became United States champion, that he went 952 days without singles gold. And this is a fella who yet week in, week out is at the absolute operatic high note. He's at the apex of his game. And Seth Rollins was part of that beautiful story. Tell us from your perspective, how good was Seth throughout the trilogy that we saw with Cody? I'm going to go beyond the trilogy. Seth obviously was an integral factor in the trilogy. Without Rollins to play the Joker to Cody Rhodes' Batman, it's not perfect. It may be great, but it's not perfect like it was. Seth Rollins, to me, was the 2022 MVP of WWE. And he continues to be. And I'm going to go one further. We're talking about the year that has been 2022. Based on Seth Rollins' performances throughout this year as a workhorse, as a man who has finally grown into, and I say it all the time, final form. This is Rollins who has the greatest, one of the greatest WrestleMania moments in history. The greatest cash-in in history. Too many championship reigns to count. Victories over a who's who in this business. I think 2023 is shaping up to be the biggest, best year of Seth Rollins' career because Rollins has finally figured out who he is. Who Seth Rollins is when he stands there and conducts the crowd as they serenade him week after week, that's who Seth Rollins has wanted to be since we were riding up and down roads in Florida, listening to A Day to Remember, screaming the chorus together because we went, man, how awesome would it be to be a rock star and be, have somebody, have a crowd of people singing your song back to you? That's got to be the coolest feeling in the world. And Rollins has that now. Rollins doesn't have to worry about what gear he's going to wear to to take it to the next level or who he's going to, it's, it's Seth is there. Seth is where he needs to be. And he is on pace to have the hottest 2023 of any superstar in the game. And we're talking 2023, but for me, Seth Rollins now back to back years with the best matches, 2021 edge, Seth Rollins crown jewel inside the cage. For me, that was my match of the year in 2021. And I agree with you. It's Seth Cody Rhodes from uh, hell in a cell from 2022. Well done, Seth. Absolutely brilliant to everybody involved in all the matches we've mentioned. And then we're probably forgetting an awful lot or not mentioning an awful lot on our list as well. But just an unbelievable year. And I, for one, am just so grateful to be part of a Gravy. You and me both, KP, and someone else who had uh, quite the finale to the year that has been 2022. She is the brand new NXT Women's Champion and our guest this week on After the Bell, Roxanne Perez. Roxanne, first of all, congratulations on becoming the NXT Women's Champion. KP and I were just discussing how Seth Rollins arguably was the MVP of 2022. But if we're talking just December, I don't know that anybody had a bigger December than Roxanne Perez. Let's talk <laughs> about this. What a, what a month it has been for you from winning the first ever Women's Iron Survivor match at NXT Deadline and earning the chance to challenge then-champion Mandy Rose for the title you don't want to wait. Tuesday comes, you call out the champion, you you shoot your shot, and next thing you know, we've got a brand new NXT Women's Champion. Put yourself back into your boots that night. What was going through your mind when the bell rang, when the referee counted three, and the announcement came over the speakers that the new NXT Women's Champion was Roxanne Perez? Oh my gosh. Um, well, I'm sure as everybody saw, I as soon as that bell rang, I just burst into tears and, uh, they were real tears. <laughs> um, I think just like all of like the trials and tribulations and like everything that I went through since I was 13 years old to get to this moment, 
just like started replaying in my head and I just thought wow like all of those moments like even the super bad moments they were so worth it because in that moment like winning the NXT Women's Championship just becoming a WWE champion like that was my biggest dream since I was 10 years old so the fact that like it just happened it was real it it honestly didn't feel real at the moment but the fact that it was it just like so many emotions that just came out of me that night how is it different? And you yourself had quite the 2022. I'm not just speaking about your success in December, but it was the end of 2021, I believe. You became the Ring of Honor Women's Champion. And here we are just a little over a year later. You're now in the WWE system. You are now the face, whether you like it or not, of the NXT Women's Division. Compare and contrast that. I mean, that in and of itself, that first title win had to be so special. But now to do it in the main event, on the show of shows, how did that vary to you? So I, I think like when I was 10 years old, I said, all right, I'm going to be in the WWE one day. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but it's going to happen. And um, I found independent wrestling and I thought, OK, so if I make a big enough name for myself on the independent scene, hopefully WWE will scoop me up. <laughs> so that's what I did. Like literally everything that I, I started training when I was 14. And ever since then, I was like, all right, I'm putting my foot on the gas pedal and I'm not looking back and I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that WWE calls me. I don't have to call WWE. They call me. <laughs> um, I like that. That's a so, cool mentality. So that's what I did. And I think winning the ring of honor championship, that was like, that was so surreal just because of the fact that it made me realize that all of my dreams could truly be possible because obviously like my biggest dream was becoming a WWE champion but becoming the first ever ring of honor champion at 19 years old it, it just clicked and I realized like wow like all of my wildest dreams are, are so possible and it honestly just kind of like lit like a bigger fire in me to just keep going keep going just so that I, I could get to that end goal and I still have so many other goals uh here in the WWE but uh just accomplishing that one is amazing you do realize you just referenced uh, a career's worth of accomplishments in like one <laughs> calendar year yeah it's wild <laughs> Roxanne you talked about your trials and tribulations yet you are only 21 years of age you're WWE's youngest ever NXT champion does that come with a weight? Does it come with pressure? Or does it come with pure excitement, knowing that the future is so bright for you? I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, I think it's a little bit more of the second one, where I'm just so excited. Uh, uh, since I was a kid, uh, my, my goal was to become the youngest NXT Women's Champion. And that didn't happen, but I was able to accomplish so many more things. Um, and it definitely is a little bit of a pressure because, uh, you know, like, uh, past champions we have like Sasha Banks Bailey Paige uh, so Oscar, so many yeah, so amazing like a list of like so many amazing women that have gone on to do amazing things one day are going to be in the Hall of Fame and I'm like okay like I need to I, I it, there's a pressure of just living up to that lineage um but I'm gonna do everything I can to make sure that I do that very well <laughs> Tell us a little bit about how your time on the independence helped prepare you uh, for the world that is WWE, because myself, as well as countless other superstars, have done that same that same journey. Uh, but WWE is a world into it itself. It's a completely different universe than the independence. How did it help prepare you? And maybe what were some some 
uh, negative effects? Did you have any habits you had to break or were any sort of shocking moments where you went, oh, it doesn't work that way anymore? Yeah, I, honestly, I think, because like I said, I started training when I was 14, but just uh, locally uh, in my hometown. And I was trained by uh, uh, two guys, Johnny Angel and George Benavides. And it was in a, a little warehouse it's called Laredo Wrestling Alliance. And they taught me what they could. Uh, you know, I, I took some bumps. I learned all those things. But then when I was 16, I started traveling on uh, Greyhounds to Houston to go train uh, with Booker T. And I think that's where I really, I think that helped me kind of in my, like coming into WWE. Because at Booker T's, it's so it's still the, the independent scene, but it's so different. He has like the whole setup. He has you're working cameras, you're working for TV. He has his YouTube channel. So like, I think starting that at 16 years old helped so much. Like coming here to WWE because I had to learn. All right, I gotta wrestle, but I gotta be uh, wrestling for this camera and that camera and all of those little things. That's so so valuable because I, I know it was a, it was a culture shock for me and basically anybody else who had been on the independence before we arrived in FCW or NXT or whatever it was. Wait a minute. I have to do this move toward the camera. There, there are no people over there. The people are over here and it's such yeah. a weird, like uh, totally unusual situation. So it almost sounds like Booker was sort of the finishing school that you needed uh, to yeah. prepare you for the world that is WWE. And I got to be honest, when you said you, you used to take a Greyhound bus to Houston, to go train, I, my heart smiled. I, I, I went, that's what, that's it. That you hear somebody talk about passion and sacrifice and what it takes. Roxanne's 16 years old, taking a, a Greyhound bus across Texas just to go train with Booker T. I admire that sort of passion. That, that is the sort of passion I think that makes stars and champions. But on that note, Graves, to double down on that, you posted on Instagram, Roxanne, to say that, yeah, you're getting, you know, getting home at 5 a.m. from traveling all night. And you also mentioned arguments with your mother. You know, take us maybe inside that journey a little bit, maybe the falling outs within the family, the dedication to the cause, the, the sleepless nights. What exactly did you go through in the roughest of times to get to where you are today? Yeah, so... My parents, especially my mom, has always been so supportive. Since the day that I told her I want to be a wrestler when I'm older, she was like, all right, if that's what you want to do, then then that's what you're going to do. Like, you just got to be dedicated. If that's what you're going to do, go ahead. Um, so she was always she was always uh, so supportive. And uh, she took me to my first trainings. Uh, she would take me to some shows. But obviously, like having your 14, 15, 16-year-old kid in a business like it's it's a business like the independent wrestling scene is still a business and like I'm surrounded by all these older people and um like I said like having to travel on greyhounds by myself and wanting to go to training every single day and uh sometimes it, it was hard for her just to, to kind of allow me to be on my own going out there not knowing if I'm okay being worried because she didn't want me to to get injured so early in my career she didn't want me to be at training every day and um obviously for me I just thought all right well like this is what I need to do if I want to make it like this is what I need to do and it's just it's so hard like I can't imagine like the position she was in it sounds to me like your mom is a very good mom and really loves her daughter (laughs) (laughs) none of this sounds negative to me (laughs) but I understand sure that's a it's a very daunting situation for a parent uh, to just let your child journey across the state to, to learn how to wrestle, like to, to do pro wrestling. That sounds insane. 
Yeah. I, I, my parents did the same thing. I, I can relate to a lot of this, but I, yeah. it sounds, it's all good stuff. <laughs> what would you be like now, Graves? I mean, your, your eldest is how old? My son's 14, the same age I was when I first stepped in a ring. Yeah. And can you imagine him saying, see no, that? No, I don't even let him cross the street. <laughs> I'm one of those weird parents that keeps my kid on a leash. No, I'm kidding. I don't. I'm not actually. Yeah, it, it did like cause certain arguments. And also like my mom was very adamant that she wanted me to uh, to go to school. And for me, I, I just uh, like I, I took early college classes in, in high school. I have like uh, almost an associate. So like I, I knew that I, I eventually do want to go back to college, but it wasn't my calling at that time. I I wanted to move to Houston. I wanted to just like dive like straight in into professional wrestling and do everything that I could to like just make it. And it did cause some arguments back and forth. Mental health is also a really big thing. It was like really important to me and my family because uh, a lot of my like my parents have struggled with it. I, I've struggled with it. Um, my sisters have. So um, that was also like uh, partly an issue in uh, the arguments and just the craziness of everything that I was doing. And I uh, actually did get into a really big fight with my mom at a point where um, I kind of left home. She kind of, it was a weird thing where she kicked me out, but didn't really want me to leave. But I was like, if you want me to leave, I'm going to leave. So <laughs> I uh, got in a Greyhound. I traveled back home. I've never told this story, but um, uh, traveled to Houston and uh, I lived with my uh, aunt and uncle for a few months. I slept on their couch. I got a job at Chick-fil-A. Um, and I think that was one of the hardest times, honestly, like, um, because I was without my mom. I was without my, my stepdad. I, I, I didn't talk to my family for so long. I didn't know if wrestling was going to work out because I was just on my own. How old were you during this time? I was 18. It was like the first time I think I just had to like figure out life by myself. And I was like, all right, I'm on my own. This is probably the hardest thing I've had to do in my life, but I'm going to keep going after my dreams. So that that's what I did. I was like crying on the couch every night, but then the next day going to Booker's, putting in the training. There's times where I literally was like, crying by myself in Booker's ring because I was just like, wow, this is, this is tough. Like, I don't know if I really want to do this. Um, and something in me was just like, just keep going, just keep going, just keep going. And then I got the call from Ring of Honor and uh, I got signed to Ring of Honor. Ended up calling my mom to tell her about uh, the big news because I, I that happened and I was like, oh, I want to call my mom. And then I was like, oh, wait. Haven't talked to my mom in like a very long time, and I don't know, just something told me to just just call her. So I called her, and uh, she was there with me. Um, she came into the ring after I won, and then yeah, ever since then, like she's like I said, she's been my biggest rock throughout my whole journey. So yeah, I'm really grateful for her. But it, there was a lot of tough times along the journey, but it it was worth it. Roxanne, you mentioned mental health struggles. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Because I'd imagine being 21 years of age and putting yourself out there in front of everybody to be complimented, but also to be ridiculed has got to be a daunting, daunting prospect. So personally, I have struggled with mental health. Um, I struggle with anxiety, like almost on a daily basis. Um, I've, I've struggled with depression before. And uh, the cool thing about it is that my family has always been very open about 
you know, going to therapy and, and just talking about your feelings. Um, so I, I'm so grateful to like have grown up with that. And I've seen, I've seen my parents struggle with it as well and completely become so much better after therapy and, and journaling and talking. And, you know, uh, so I think it's really important, especially now, even especially after the pandemic. I think that's when a lot of people were really, really struggling. Uh, cause I know I was like, at least for me, like, wrestling was completely taken away from me and that's all I knew my, literally my whole life so to just be stuck home having that taken away it was just it was pretty hard because it was kind of like um well like who I, who actually am I without wrestling you know so um that was a little like um self-reflecting journey that I had to go through during the pandemic but uh like I said like therapy I love to journal I love like just being able to put my thoughts somewhere, I think that, that that's, like, really important. It'll really keep you healthy to just be able to, like, talk about things. And I think that's, like, one of the problems. A lot of people don't think that they can talk about it. They kind of just would rather, like, keep it to themselves. But um, I think it's, like, so much better to just talk about it. And if you talk about it, then there's other people that are going to be like, oh, okay, it's all right for me to talk about it. I can talk about it, too. Normalize the conversation. Absolutely. I think that's, that's a great perspective and, and congratulations to you for, for bringing that mentality to the table because a lot of people don't figure that out until way late in life. And trust me, in this business, it's very important to keep that perspective. So hang on to that. Uh, while we're, we're talking about your family and great influences, you mentioned him numerous times. We've got to talk about Booker. Booker T is a guy, uh, you'd be hard-pressed to find two or three more that I respect in this business, in this world. Booker's been a mentor to me. He's taught me so much about the broadcasting end of things beyond being a, a Hall too. of Fame in-ring caliber. Yeah, right? Booker's always generous with his knowledge. Talk a little bit. I mean, we got to see glimpses of it on NXT. Booker had tears in his eyes. He felt the emotion. He said he felt like a proud papa watching his baby girl grow up and succeed. Uh, talk about the influence Booker has had on your life and your career. Such a big influence. Uh, like I said, I, I got there when I was like 16. So uh, I am still a baby, but I was like a baby baby. <laughs> and um, him and Charmel, uh, his wife, were like always so so good and sweet to me. And uh, especially because they knew I was like 16 and on my own. They took care of me like a kid. So like they helped me so much with like just the wrestling aspect. But just like also just in like life, just um, how to be like a good person and whatnot. So um, I'm so grateful for them for that. And uh, yeah, like I, I've always been such a little mark. So like the first time I met Booker, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so crazy. So um, just being able to like learn from him and pick his brain and, uh, you know, before and after all of my matches, I'd go up to him and be like, hey, do you have any advice for me? Um, what can I do better? And uh, he'd always he'd always like be so, so open to just help me with anything he could. And, um, yeah, I'm so grateful for him. He honestly is like a, like a dad. <laughs> That's so cool. You, could, you very, very, very Booker can be a very stoic man when he doesn't want you to know that he's feeling something. So for book to open <laughs> up like that on the air, I was sitting at home going, wow, this, I, I didn't realize, I, I knew you were one of his students. I didn't realize that Booker and you look at each other in that sort of yeah. manner, like, oh, this is this is deeper than just trainer trainee. This is a, a, almost a family element. For to sure. It. I've, I've even gotten in trouble with Booker, like like little kids. <laughs> Did he ground you? <laughs> if you guys would You're like grounded. to know the story. <laughs> yes, please. Um, so this one time, uh, you know, he has his monthly show, so Reality Wrestling. So, um uh a couple of people have said this they have this nightmare where 
their music hits and they don't have their gear don't have their or boots, boots on. <laughs> That's the wrestler's dream. That is <laughs> everyone who's ever been in the ring has had that dream. Yeah. I've had that dream plenty of times, but uh, this time it, it was, it actually happened to me. So, oh, no. <laughs> so um, I'm uh, backstage with uh, the girl I was going to wrestle and we've wrestled so many times because we're both from his school and it was like, we just wrestled like probably a good like 50 times before that. But for some reason, I, I can't really multitask. I'm not very good at that. So like trying to talk and change at the same time is not for me. So. Um, there's a point where I, I start putting on one boot and I'm like starting to lace it. And I was like, hey, can you uh, check what match is on? And she's like, yeah, let me go check. So she comes back. She like opens the door. She's like, your music's playing. And I was like, oh, my God. I was like, no, you're kidding. Right. <laughs> she's like, no, your your music's playing. And I was like, oh, oh Roxanne, I'm getting God. anxiety listening to this. <laughs> So I start like trying to lace my boots so fast and I just hear Booker like yell across the hallway and he's like, what the hell? And I was like, oh my God, no. And he like comes in the room and he's like, what's going on? And I was like, uh, I just, uh, uh, I didn't have time to put my boots on. And he like starts yelling. He like walks out the room. He's like yelling as he's walking down the hallway. And I remember him saying something like, this is what happens when you think you're over. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's Booker. <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh my god, this is so embarrassing. Oh, like, that's Book. I was like, I can't get fired from here, but I'm gonna get fired. <laughs> and then, yeah, then Charmel comes in. I'm like, I'm like crying. Charmel comes in. She's like, she's like calming me down. She's like, don't let him talk to you like that. Blah blah blah. She's like so sweet. And then I, I literally rush go like go out there to do the match like i have to walk out the curtain like smiling after nobody knows that i was right. just bawling my eyes out and then we ended up having a really good match so after the match he was just like all right kid you redeemed yourself but don't let there that happen go. ever again i was like okay <laughs> that's so good hey roxanne you mentioned you you, you talked about you, you you said i was a little mark and you talked about being a kid you were that 13 year old the total divas I was. And we got we all i mean for for anyone that hasn't seen ahead to wwe social media uh instagram account you'll see the video of you speaking with natty at such a young age what do you remember about, about being a kid and, and i suppose the nerves of speaking to a wwe superstar like natalia in that moment honestly i mean i think you could tell in that video i was like like moving around I was like do you have any um advice for me <laughs> um so I definitely probably was like so nervous but honestly I, I my mom would take me to like uh if she couldn't afford to take me to to like sit down and watch the show she would take me early that morning to like the arena to wait outside try to meet the wrestlers or oh, she would cool, take me cool. to like the gold gym to like wait outside try to meet the I was probably like look like that annoying little stalker kid it's <laughs> 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 like hey can I have a picture but I'd always go up to every wrestler that I met I always ask them like hey I want to be a wrestler do you have any advice so that was always my thing like any wrestler that I met any wrestler that I could I was like hey do you have any advice for like how I can make it to the WWE and um that time I ended up meeting uh, Natalia, uh, the Bella twins, and they were so awesome. There was like a lot of the conversation that didn't get put on TV, but they stayed for a while there talking to me. And Brie Bella gave me some really good advice, Nikki, uh, and Natty, um, and 
honestly, like, I'm so grateful for for that experience because all of the advice that they gave me really, really stuck with me, like, throughout my whole wrestling career. Because that was filmed, maybe I was, like, 13. And I remember uh, Brie actually giving me some advice saying, like, you know, your first few matches, it's going to feel like it's not your best and you're going to be down. But don't let that get to you because wrestling is really, really hard. But as long as you keep going and you keep working hard, like you're going to do amazing things. And that really stuck with me because it's true. Like you have a lot of matches and you're just like, dang, like I suck. <laughs> and then like sometimes you're just like, oh, should I really keep going? But yeah, I, I tell everybody that now that asked me for, for advice, like wrestling is really hard and it takes a while to like really grasp it. So yeah, like I just all the advice that they gave me, like it really stuck with me and I'm so grateful for them. Well, it's one thing to receive advice. It's something else entirely to apply the advice. And it seems like you have done a great job of applying the advice so much so that rumor has it, there is an actual billboard in your hometown of Laredo, Texas. Congratulating you. Is this true or is this false? It's true. My family, uh, actually like, uh, they took a pic, they all took a picture in front of it and it was so cool. I was like, wow, that's like so sweet. But I remember um, when I won the, uh, I, I actually, be- a few years back, I became the youngest reality of wrestling champion at Booker T's. And um, the mayor actually gave me like a little plaque that was like, oh, congrats oh, cool. on being a uh, youngest reality of wrestling champion. So it's so cool because like, it's not like, oh, I made it to WWE and they're like, oh, let's, you know, let's, let's put all this stuff out on, like, about her. It was, like, since I was a kid and I was, like, starting to chase this dream, my hometown has been so supportive and, like, super That's cool really, about really everything. Cool. So, yeah, it's really cool. Very, very cool. Well, obviously, your, your hometown has reason to be proud of you uh, as the new NXT Women's Champion. But 2022 is coming to a close. 2023 is right around the corner. Where does Roxanne Perez go now? Um, well, either I want to become the longest reigning NXT Women's Champion, surpassing 413 days, or I don't know, maybe I feel like I could possibly be ready for the main roster. No, no. Okay. Now I'm going to tell you right now, (laughs) as someone who exists on the main roster, your job is to say, I'm ready for the main roster. I'm going to bring my NXT championship and I'm going to show it to Bianca Belair and then we're going to fight about who's better. That's what you need to be a main right. event, main roster superstar. Right. So let's try this again. Roxanne Perez, what does 2023 hold for the current NXT Women's Champion? Well, I'm going to become the NXT Women's Champion, the Raw Women's Champion, and the SmackDown Women's Champion. <laughs> All in one year. All Boom, one there year, it was. Yeah. Call the shot. That's what you got to do. You got to have that bravado. <laughs> I mean, see, that's the thing. You've got this infectious enthusiasm, this lovability about you, Roxanne Perez, but now you are the hunted. And as 2023 comes around and you've got everybody looking at you and you're going to be looking behind your shoulder, left and right, what is the mindset of Roxanne Perez? Oof. I think just now, I think when I first got to WWE, it was kind of just like, oh my god, I'm so starstruck, like, I'm surrounded by people that I've been inspired by since I was a kid, um, this is my dream, like, I was, like, blinded by all the lights, and I think now it's more of, like, all right, yeah, this is my dream, and uh, this is so cool that I get to be surrounded by people that that I'm inspired by, but now I need to be the inspiration, and I need to be the person that 
other people are looking up to, the person that other people are like, oh, wow, I I want to be like her. I want to be that kind of champion. Um, so I think now, yeah, it's just like a whole different mindset of Roxanne Perez rather than just being the fan. Now, yeah, I still got the fan in me, but um, I want to be one of the best NXT Women's Champions in history. Well, excellent. We are both watching closely, rooting for you. Uh, good luck as your journey of taking over NXT begins. Good luck in 2023 uh, and enjoy the holidays being at home. Thank you. Thank you so much. And likewise. KP, you know I get excited after we have these conversations from time to time, but man, Roxanne, she is the genuine article. The same way she's portrayed and conveyed in NXT through the television screen, I feel like she's the genuine article. She truly loves this, and I honestly think she's got the right mentality to make it even further in this business than she already has. Yeah, wisdom beyond her years as well. Speaking about mental health, her journey, fallout with her mother, but the one thing that really stood out to me was she had a dream and that dream, she's in the midst of it right now. NXT champion, but she's clearly got goals and aspirations to go even further. No doubt about it. I can't wait to see what the future holds for Roxanne Perez. And I cannot wait to see what's under the Christmas tree for myself and my loved ones, KP. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to you and yours. Yeah, big love to you and the family, man. Merry Christmas. Pleasure working with you so far. Roll on 2023. Yes, sir. Bring on 2023. Don't miss the absolute best of 2022 Monday night, 8 Eastern on USA. And uh, we'll be back next week with more wisdom, more vitriol, and more WWE after the bell. Yeah.